Welcome to Worldview Matters. And now, here's your host, David Fiorazzo. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in. We really appreciate you uh, checking out Worldview Matters. I've got some great guests this week. Wow. I mean, talk about heavy hitters to kick off the first week of this show. We've got Dr. J.B. Hickson today. We've got Heidi St. John, the busy mom, coming up tomorrow. Uh, Trevor Loudon, another troublemaker for the kingdom of God, uh, coming up on Wednesday. And then on Thursday, former transgender Laura Perry Smaltz. But I just want to bring in Dr. J.B. Hickson right now, get this thing going, because we're going to be limited on time. He's a pastor, author, speaker, podcast host, and he's the founder of Not By Works Ministries. His brand new book is called Spirit of the False Prophet, and he also has written Spirit of the Antichrist, Volumes 1 and 2. And we're going to talk about the biblical worldview. We're starting from the basics today, talking about the biblical worldview and the gospel. So welcome, Dr. J.B. Hickson. Hello. Hey, David. Always a pleasure. Great to see you. Good to see you. Now, it's different yeah. than doing radio, huh? We can actually see each other. It is. And, and I, I now you know why people have always said I have a face for radio. But uh, yeah, <laughs> I, lo- I, love, I love the TV. That, that's great. Oh, it's so good to have you. I know you're busy. You do a lot of interviews and speaking at conferences. Before we get into the topic today, and I've got some quotes and some scriptures and some questions on why there's been such a decline in America of the biblical worldview. Uh, tell us any recent conferences you've been doing and what you might have coming up. Yeah, thanks so much. Uh, the big thing now is the release of the new book, and uh, folks can go to spiritofthefalseprophet.org, spiritofthefalseprophet.org, or just you know directly to our uh, website, as you see on the screen there. But uh, we just got back from Dallas uh, with uh, Tom Hughes and uh, his group, Hope for Our Times. We were with Andy Woods and uh, Tom and and uh, several John Haller and, and uh, several others. Uh, we'll be headed to Oklahoma City this weekend to do some recording for uh, Prophecy Watchers. A uh, lot busy schedule. Uh, September we'll be uh, doing something for TPUSA next week, and then the weekend following we'll be doing a conference with Bill Salas and uh, Randy Price up in Fort Collins. October we've got uh, the Norman, Oklahoma Prophecy Watchers Conference, something down in Texas. So yeah, God's been good, uh, and uh, just really thankful to have the opportunity. Uh, you know, the fall is always busy. Uh, you know, last year we had just come out with Spirit of the Antichrist Volume Two. This year, uh, about eleven months later, here we've got Spirit of the False Prophet. So just basically spend the fall with with family traveling and 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 trying to get the word out. Man, I don't know where you find know. the time. I mean, my goodness, uh, one book a year. I'm I'm trying I'm trying to get one book every three years, and I'm almost done with my new one. But anyway, where um, people can get it on your website, notbyworks.org, and at spiritofthefalseprophet.org, right? That's right. Thank you, David. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I want to share. By the way, name you name dropped. Um, you've named a couple of my guests for next week. Andy Woods, John Haller, we've got Scott Shera. Uh, it's going to be a great, uh, great month of September here. Worldview well, Matters. I- I really look up to, to Andy and John, but it has nothing to do with their, their you know, theology. It's just yeah. they're both like 12 feet tall. They are really tall men. Okay, so I want to start off with a quote, JB, before we talk about George Barna and then talk about what, how we define the biblical worldview. Malcolm Muggridge once said, One of the peculiar sins of the 20th century, which we've developed to a very high level, is the sin of credulity. It has been said that when human beings stop believing in God, they believe in nothing. The truth is much worse. They believe in anything. Your Mm. thoughts on that? 
Yeah, no question. Uh, truth is under attack. Uh, that really is what it comes down to with worldview, is your a battle for the mind. Uh, what do you believe? You know, the Bible tells us in Proverbs 21 that we can know the certainty of the words of truth. Mm-hmm. And uh, so don't let anybody tell you that truth is unknowable or that there's no universal uh, truth, capital T, that's true for all people at all times. You know, That's really the postmodern mindset, is that they're okay with their own individual truth with a little t, but the minute you begin to proclaim some grand meta narrative that's true for all people at all times, that's when they draw the line. So, uh, yeah, it really is a battle for truth. It is uh, the truth war as it continues here in our society, around the world, of course. But in America, man, it's on the truth war is on steroids because they are coming against God, his truth, the biblical worldview. And that's what we're talking about today with uh, JB. Um, there's so many different ways we can talk about this, but basically the biblical worldview can be defined as believing moral absolutes exist. The source of truth is the Bible, which is God's inspired word. The Bible is accurate in all of the principles it teaches. Salvation is by grace alone through faith in Christ. Jesus pre-existed with the Father and the Holy Spirit. He was born of a virgin. He lived a sinless life on earth. He died on a cross and was resurrected three days later. Believers also have a duty to witness, and we believe Satan is real, not just a symbol or a myth. Heaven and hell are actual places, or Jesus is a liar. Uh, God is the sovereign, all-powerful maker of the universe who still rules creation today. JB, what would you add to those bullet points of defining the biblical worldview? Yeah, I think those are excellent. It all comes under one heading of what is the ultimate standard for our beliefs, attitudes, and practices, and it is the Bible. And that's really what differentiates a biblical worldview from what I call a Christian worldview. You know, a lot of people used to talk about a Christian worldview, but that that terminology has become clouded with inaccuracies because to some people, a Christian worldview just means you're not a Muslim, you're not a Buddhist, you're from the West. But a biblical worldview is more narrow. It basically says the Bible is our standard. Uh, in the Bible, God has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Uh, the Bible is God's way of saying, here I am, look at me. This is what I want you to know. This is the, the source of truth. And so all of those foundational, uh, we might call them doctrines, are, are critical. You know, the, uh, the virgin birth, the eternality of Christ, um, the uh, infallibility of Scripture, all of those things are, are fundamental. So um, we've got a problem in the American church, JB, because uh, one of the reasons, and we can talk about this more throughout the, the program, that the biblical worldview is declining, partly because people are not studying the Bible and reading the Bible and believing that it is the perfect word of God and inerrant, but pastors, there's a, such a low uh, um, number of pastors that actually, this is surprising to some people, that a lot of pastors, I'm looking for the actual numbers, that the pastors lack a biblical worldview. Of course, let me pull this up. Barna did some research on this uh, last year, and the number of pastors that have a biblical worldview according to the research, is slightly more than one-third. So 37% of Christian pastors have a biblical worldview, and the majority, 62% of pastors and church leaders in America, possess what is referred to as a hybrid worldview known as syncretism. So, Mm -hmm. JB, if the pastors and church leaders 
don't have a biblical worldview, if they're not teaching it from the pulpit, how can we expect congregants, those who are sitting in the pews, those who are led by the pastors, to be able to have a worldview themselves that's, that is truly biblical? Oh, you can't. You know, uh, if, if there's a mist in the pulpit, there'll be a fog in the pew. That's the problem. And so, I like that. Um, you know, uh, and let's define what we mean when we say that pastors don't have a biblical worldview. What that means is that when push comes to shove, the Bible does not necessarily trump everything else. And so they can give it lip mm. service. They can hold it up and say, hey, this is my Bible. I, I believe it. They can be, even preach uh, sermons from the Bible. But at the end of the day, when they're, when they're faced with a difficult decision, uh, they, will, they will fail. They will cater to their own whims and decisions rather than what the Bible says. So it's very easy to, to give lip service to the Bible. Uh, but you know, whether we hold true to those standards or not, that that's a different issue. And so we're talking here about the Bible trumps everything else um, when it comes to making decisions. And and sadly, most people are not there. Yeah, I think um, even some church leaders today can be deceived, and they can want to please the world. There's a whole other topic. We'll have to do a show on that uh, sometime because if you're trying to please man, in a lot of I, let's just say a good number of church leaders or a bad number, <laughs> depending on how you look at it, just want to attract a crowd. It's easy to attract a crowd. Just be like the world or do something entertaining, right, JB? Yeah, absolutely. And and it, and some of it is definitely uh, impure motives, and they're just fleshly and, and worldly. And and that's you know that's the televangelists, that's the you know those kind of preachers. But some of it is just uh, an, uh, uh, a failure to really uh, stand firm. I mean, uh, the example I like to use is <clears throat> many uh, conservative pastors. Uh, will give lip service to being pro-life, and they're you know they don't believe abortion is uh, morally uh, you know uh, allowable, and and they're right, and the Bible is very clear on that. But you know then when you know, you run into a situation where you know a 16-year-old girl in your congregation gets raped and and becomes pregnant because of that, uh, well that's when pastors begin to sort of equivocate say, oh well that just doesn't seem right that she should have to you know have that uh, <clears throat> a child and and yet the bible is clear all life is sacred it doesn't yeah. matter how that life comes about life is sacred it's it's we're made in the image of god and so you know it, people uh, that that's one of the reasons this is a side note but that's one of the reasons why christians should never have allowed the whole uh, pro life debate to to be framed in terms of uh, you know rape incest life of mother and those type of arguments it ought, it ought to always be about when does life begin uh, and and what is life so but you know those type of hard issues you know come up and it's one thing to have a principled viewpoint but if you're not willing to live that out uh, yep. that that's where there's a problem and then some leaders just don't want to touch it because it's a quote controversial issue and why is yes. that because even i mean our culture is split on the the issue of life in the womb the church, people that are Christians or professing Christians anyway, should not have any confusion over this. And I remember the Planned Parenthood director, uh, a CEO a few years ago, she was asked in an interview, when does life begin? She says, when I delivered my kids upon delivery. In other words, once they're out of the womb, then there's a life. And that doesn't even go with the science and the biology, <laughs> let alone scripture. But JB, we've got to take a break in, in just a few seconds. But I wanted to get this out from that same survey that Barna did. Children's pastors and youth pastors were even worse. 12% of them 
Only 12% of youth pastors in America have a biblical worldview. So we've heard the stories about kids, I mean, not kids, but youth pastors just trying to entertain kids in the church instead of teaching them the word of God or talking about discipleship. Um, JB, we're going to have to take a quick break here, but when we come back, we'll talk about that. A solution, maybe. Um, how do we get our youth to get in the Word of God if you don't have your, the youth pastors leading them correctly? And then we're also going to talk about some other stats on syncretism and religious pluralism, which is a problem in America. We'll be right back with Dr. J.B. Hickson. Today's show is brought to you by Harbinger's Daily. World news biblically understood. Stay informed at harbingersdaily.com. We're back with Dr. J.B. Hickson. He's the pastor of Plum Creek Chapel. If you're between Denver and Colorado Springs, check out Sedalia, Colorado, and that's where Plum Creek Chapel is. J.B., you're at two services. You also do, or you were doing a prophecy night. I think you're taking a break now on Tuesdays. And uh, what else do you have going on at your church real quick? Yeah, so we, we have a partnership between Not By Works and Plum Creek Chapel. And uh, so we... Uh, We've got lots going on at the church. We're maxed out in our second service. God's bringing a lot of new people our way. Um, uh, but we are taking a break from our Tuesday night prophecy night, uh, just because I'm going to be on the road so much this fall. But we do have a midweek service on Wednesdays. It's taught by one of our board members, a great guy. We're t studying the parables of Jesus right now. Uh, and, um, yeah, they can learn more at uh, notbyworks.org. Sounds good. So, JB, uh, before we took a break, we talked about youth pastors in America, and we've heard the war stories, horror stories of them doing these ridiculous games uh, to entertain the kids, to keep them occupied. That, that's babysitting. That's not discipling. Your, your yeah. quick thoughts on maybe what parents can look for in a youth pastor at their church or uh, to try to get their kids under the right leadership. Yeah, well, first of all, it, it's not necessarily a given that even having youth pastors is a biblical concept. I, I'm not opposed mm -hmm. to it in the right circumstances, but, you know, I, I think we do our children a disservice when we pull them out of the main service and mm -hmm. instead of letting them learn the Bible, you know, that's uh, we don't see that in any other historical setting. Certainly God's people didn't have segregated, age-graded type of Sunday school and things like that. Uh, but if you are going to have, you know, events for children and youth, which I think is fine, you know, vacation. Bible school, youth camps, that kind of thing, you need to make sure the ones doing the teaching are biblically sound. I mean, that's the number one role of an elder in the church is to uh, oversee and safeguard doctrine. And so when we when we hire youth pastors based on, you know, how creative they are and whether they can uh, play kickball, uh, we're, we're really, uh, I think, hurting our kids because we're not letting them be built up in the faith at a formative time, especially when there's so many things working against us. If they're in the public school system, you know, it's, we only get one hour a week in church, and we want to make sure we maximize that by teaching them the Word of God. So another problem we have in our society, obviously, um, with even if pastors are kind of believing in different worldviews, um, syncretism, religious mm -hmm. pluralism, um, these are problems. I mean, I understand, JB, how someone who is not a believer in Christ, who has never read the Bible, is not born again a, a Christian. I understand how they can 
put the coexist bumper sticker on their car, right? <laughs> they say, just coexist. We can take a little bit of Islam, a little bit of Buddhism, a little bit of New Age, maybe a little bit of Christ consciousness, and then mix that with a tad of Christianity and good works or whatever. But uh, that's not the way to salvation. There is only one way, Jesus said. Uh, he is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through him. So that coexist sticker or banner is really typically against the exclusivity of the gospel and Christianity. Share a little bit about the syncretism and religious pluralism that we're seeing in the churches today. Yeah, no, it's a formidable foe, and I think it's a sign of the times. Remember, according to Daniel, the future Antichrist is going to deny the gods of his fathers. In other words, he's not going to ascribe to any one religion. He's going to be a pluralist, and that's the only way he's going to be able to get the whole world to come together under one banner. Uh, he's going to claim to be God, of course. We know that from Second Thessalonians 2. And uh, so he's not going to be Muslim or Buddhist or New Age. He's going to bring them all under one tent and say, uh, you know, can't we all just get along and let, let's all just, you know, equal pathways to heaven. That's quintessential uh, pluralism, and it's already uh, taking root. Uh, if you want to get censored or canceled, and, and you wrote the book on canceling Christianity, so I'm preaching to the choir here, uh, you, you stand up. <laughs> proudly and confidently and unashamedly and say that apart from faith alone and Christ alone, you will spend eternity in a literal place of torment called hell. Uh, that'll shut you down in a hurry. Mm. But that's what the Bible says. So are we going to teach what the Bible says and what Jesus himself proclaimed? You, you quoted it, uh, John 14, 6, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Or are we going to equivocate? So we, uh, we certainly love you know others and, and we respect their viewpoints but we're not going to uh, you know validate their viewpoints as accurate when God himself says something different in his revealed word amen you uh, quoted John uh, you uh, you mentioned John I want to go back to the beginning of John's gospel um, and just talk about John 1 real quick in the beginning was the word. Jesus, and the Word was with God. The Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And it says, all things came into being through him, and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. And, and then in John 1.14, the Word became flesh, the incarnation. We celebrate that at Christmas and all year round, of course. But he, Jesus is the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and Truth. So, JB, understanding the foundation of our worldview is our, our worldview is built on the rock of Christ. And there are four different questions, four ultimate questions of life that generally human beings have. And there are four questions origin, um, meaning, morality, and destiny. I'd love for you to talk about this. Where did the universe and human beings come from? And the reason I bring these up is because the Bible has answers for any question of life, particularly the four main ones here. Where, do, where did the universe come from? How was life created? What is the meaning and purpose of human existence? How do we know what is right and wrong without the Bible, without God? How do we know uh, that there's good and evil? What happens to us after we die? So, JB, your thoughts on these four ultimate questions? There are many more, but these are the basics, and they all go back to whether the Bible is true and God exists. 
Absolutely right. That's a, a litmus test to determine uh, whether you believe the Bible or not. You know, uh, if you don't believe the first 11 chapters of the Bible, then then why would you want to believe what the Bible says about the gospel, for example? Mm. So, uh, you know, it comes down to what is your standard of truth? What is your source of truth? And the Bible has a very clear answer to all four of those questions. You know, God literally spoke the world into creation, into existence about 6,000 years ago in 24, 6, 24, literal 24-hour days. Uh, so the Darwinian notion of billions of years uh, is not tenable. It certainly contradicts uh, the very words of Jesus, who himself said in Mark, uh, you know, from the beginning, God made them male and female. Uh, so, uh, and, you know, again, we didn't even, nobody believed in an old earth until Darwin came along and uh, taught us that we all evolved over millions of years from a wet rock. Uh, as far as meaning and purpose, God's Word gives us, you know, the meaning of life. It's to honor and glorify Him. And uh, we are born in sin. We need to be reconciled to a holy God. We do that by receiving the free gift of salvation through faith. It's the only way you can receive it. Uh, it, it gives us the rest of the story. You know, the Bible begins with, in the beginning, but sadly, most people don't even bother to think about, well, if that's the beginning, what's the end? And, you know, the Bible gives us the end of the story. And that's the right. end of the story is that Christ is coming back to establish his long-awaited kingdom on earth. So, you know, people uh, can and do believe many things. And, and if I believe if you could peel back people's mind and look inside, it, their worldview would be this amalgamation of all different inputs. You know, they heard something on TV, or they heard a, a radio show, or they read a book, or they learned it in seventh grade biology. Whatever the inputs, it's just this self-contradicting mass of beliefs. But when you strip all that away and stick with the basics of what does the Bible say, uh, then it has the answers to all those questions. So let's go back to other uh, Barna Research, and we're gauging where America is regarding the decline of the biblical worldview, but all, we're also looking at the church, which is more important because we've got to be the salt and light. We've got to be living out what we believe. We've got to understand the Bible and Scripture and to be able to live it and then to be able to share the gospel uh, accurately. We've got to be able to know it and be able to share it. But, um, boy, there's some problems with the church too, JB, and that is 1995, uh, one uh, survey approximately 50 50 percent of Christians said there are moral truths which are unchanging and that truth is absolute not relative to circumstances that was 50 percent 10 years later and this was 2005 you guys uh, the Barna group conducted another poll of all Americans revealing only 35 percent of Americans believe absolute standards of morality that right and wrong do not change with time or circumstances. And JB, 33% didn't even know how to respond to the, to the question. So, and this was 2005. So we've got some problems when year by year or decade by decade, Christians are starting to maybe believe more worldly uh, things and more uh, other religions or other, um, well, philosophies. As we're told in Colossians 2.8, do not be held captive or taken captive by the philosophies of man, the traditions of man. Um, yeah, and so go ahead, JB. Yeah, that's the only time that word philosophy is used in, in Scripture, and it's referring to ph phileo, love, uh, uh, 
uh, of wisdom, basically, love, love of wisdom, uh, Sophia mm-hmm. and Phileo. So it's talking about the world's wisdom, and uh, the world's wisdom is taking us uh, captive, uh, but we shouldn't be surprised in that uh, you know decline that you just illustrated with those studies, because you know the Bible itself tells us that evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Second Timothy three thirteen. Uh, so it's a sign of the times. Uh, it's sad, and it's something that the church has to work even harder to combat. But again, it all comes back to. The Bible. The Bible tells us itself in 2 Timothy 3.16 that all Scripture is profitable for four things, doctrine, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness. Well, what are those four things? Doctrine is what to believe. Reproof is what not to believe. Training in righteousness is what to do. Correction is what not to do. So the Bible kind of covers the gamut there. We, we need to know what's right, what's wrong, what to believe, what not to believe, uh, and uh, what to do and what not to do. So uh, we got to get back to the Bible. Yeah, so by the way, um, what are two or three, maybe four good uh, Bibles that you would recommend? And there's some other translations that Obviously, we don't call like there's the Passion Translation. There's a what's the one? Um, oh, the Message. The Message. We don't even call that a translation because that's a paraphrase of the Bible. Don't even call the Message a Bible translation. But JB, what are the top maybe two or three that you might recommend to people who are maybe looking into getting a new Bible? Yeah, you want to use a what's called a formal equivalent translation, one that as best as possible tries to capture the original text word for word into English. And so that would be the New King James, the New American Standard. Those are really the only two that I really uh, you know support. Uh, some of the other modern English translations have an agenda behind them, and so some of their translation choices kind of betray that that you know influence there a little bit. Uh, but yeah, some of the uh, modern English ones like the NIV and the Message, they're more paraphrased. So they they're more like commentaries than they are translations, yeah. uh, and so I would rec- I would stick with uh, you know New King James New American Standard. I'm glad you mentioned the New American Standard. It's the one I cut my teeth on. Got my first one in 1981. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, there there's some other good versions out there. But but it's so important at least to get in the Word of God. You guys get a good Bible app on your phone, um, parents. You've got a tough road ahead. And JB, with all that's coming against kids, children today in our culture that you and I didn't have when we were growing up, um, Hollywood and the agendas of the entertainment industry, the public school system, the government schools today, oh my goodness, the hypersex ed, uh, the transgender confusion, by the way. We're having uh, Laura Perry on the podcast on Thursday. We're going to talk about these issues and how it affects kids. And there's so much coming against kids. Parents, really, you've got to do extra, uh, be extra diligent at home. Uh, JB, what advice can you give to parents who still have young children, maybe want to raise them uh, to have a strong foundation in the biblical worldview? Yeah, two things real quick. First of all, Wendy and I homeschooled our six children, and uh, uh, it's not easy. Uh, Wendy gets all the credit, uh, the Lord ultimately. But uh, but secondly, I did a podcast just yesterday uh, or Tuesday, I guess, uh, uh, of uh, on on Christian education, and I encourage people to check that out. I had a guest on that really gave a lot of great resources for children. But uh, number one uh, thing is is get them out of the compulsory government school system at, at whatever cost it is. I know it's not easy. I know it's not simple for a lot of people. Their life situation makes that difficult. But it's time. It's time for a mass exodus to, to get them out of that, uh, you know, that government uh, system. 
So J.B. Hickson, it went by really fast, as we expected today. I didn't get to half my notes, but uh, spiritofthefalseprophet.org is where people can get your new book, brand new book, or notbyworks.org. Um, wh- they can pre-order it, from what I understand. Uh, do you know when no, it will be yeah. shipped out? It's, it's available to order now. We have already Great. got our inventory on its way in they will ship within the next week it's all about ai bio digital surveillance all of those types of things uh spirit of the false prophet.org awesome jb i just want to close with uh, scriptures i wanted to close this first one because we, we we need to be gospel focused this day and age and we need to be about clarity there's so much confusion out there um romans 10 9 and 10 because if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Dr. J.B. Hickson, Not By Works, thank you so much, brother, for kicking off Worldview Matters with us today. God bless you. Thanks, David. God bless. We will be in touch, my friend. Okay, guys, thanks a lot for tuning in again. Tomorrow, we've got Heidi St. John, the busy mom on Worldview Matters. Remember to share the podcast. Thank you. As always, God bless you and keep speaking the truth about things that matter.